Good morning, everybody. This is Victoria, your dog guru. And today is a very special episode because today we're getting our first guest to the show. And um, she actually has her own podcast called Pearls for My Mom. And I'm going to include a, a link to her podcast as well because it's a beautiful concept. And I think that a lot of people will really enjoy it and relate to it. So definitely check that out. She has some questions about her dog, Lily, who's a rescue that she fell in love with. And so we're going to be giving her some tips and tricks on what to do about Lily and how to help her out. So without further ado, this is Jessie. So, so, so she, her name's Lily. She's a girl. Lily. She's the best. And um, she, my husband and I were thinking about having a third child. Okay. And then we were like... Maybe we should get a dog instead. (laughs) (laughs) It's either puppy or baby. Who do I really want to put to sleep at night? But at least the puppy stays asleep once you've got a a routine going. That's right. Yeah. So nothing against children. I have two of them. They're wonderful. But we Uh decided on a dog. And um, she... She, I didn't want a puppy actually because I've had a puppy before and uh-huh. it is like having a baby. Yes, it is. Um, and puppies get adopted really easy because they're fuzzy and cute and whatever. So I always kind of like adopting an older dog. Mm-hmm. She was like a year old when we got her and we just we went to the SPCA, which is the organization in Quebec that's like a, the animal shelter or whatever. And we just mm-hmm. picked her out and... We just knew right away. Like I knew, and it was like the first day that she was available for adoption. And I knew that if we waited, she'd yeah, be gone. Yeah. Cause she's, she's got these bright blue eyes. She's just, she's like a yellow lab mixed with a husky. So she's, you know. Yeah. I noticed that her ears just like really speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. She's got the one like kind of derpy ear, which I totally love. That's not, a, <laughs> not an insult at all. And she just, she was just sitting there and the, the sheet said that she may or may not be good with kids because she was a year old. You're like, we're going to see. Yeah. I was like, we're going to test this out because she just seems so nice. And she is like literally the best dog. Like she's just so nice. And the kids, you know, they're, they're not mean to her. They're eight and five. So they're not like super rough on her or anything. Yeah. She she can handle it. She's. So what are some of her like fun quirks or what are things that she kind of pulls on your kids? (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh, her fun quirk. She's in the room with me right now and she's Aww. fully laid out. But when I do, you know, I have a podcast myself. So when I do my own podcast, it's a gamble. She could either sleep the whole entire time on the bed or just halfway through, she'll just like get up and start walking her. It's a hardwood floor. So there's all these like, it's, I don't know why. It's like, as soon as I get on the phone, she's like, so most people don't understand this, but when you're podcasting, you need almost like complete silence. And when you have kids like we do, and then you have a dog that's got an opinion, like the other day I was recording and all of a sudden my dog was like, you know what? I see a mailman <laughs> and he's, he's so good normally, but like, he was like, no, 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 mom, baby's napping. You need to hear this. And that was the end of that recording. I had to completely abandon a ship on it because he was obsessed with the mailman spending a little too much time at our property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get it. And like, so my dog, she has like separation anxiety. So now I'll, like, if I let her out of the room, she'll scratch at the door. She's okay. Fine. She's fine right now. But so sometimes I have to like, we have a baby gate on the stairs, you know, I have to like yep. stairs. And then so that way people can't hear her like whining. It breaks my heart, you know, to hear her whine up there, but I can't, I can't have her down here. <laughs> so um, on the separation anxiety, have you ever, 
I mean, I'm assuming you haven't worked with a trainer on anything like that, right? No, I would love to. I was I was reading a bit about huskies because I've had I've had a yellow lab before. Yeah, uh, and I know they're super trainable. Um, mm-hmm. And I was reading a bit about huskies, and yes, they they love to run. You can train them to do that kind of thing. But I've read that huskies otherwise are not. <laughs> they're not down to 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 be trained. So yeah, they're very independent minded. Um, I've worked with different forms of like. Nordic slash Arctic breeds before. And I can tell you that they kind of have their own plan and you're along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super intelligent, but since you kind of have a mix of both. Okay. So though they're independent and they're super driven, a lot of times they get so bonded to their owners that any level of separation is too much. I had a, a client who told me that her husky used to jump into the shower unexpectedly. <laughs> and she was like, I've never actually, since I've owned this dog, had a shower by myself. She was like, even if he doesn't jump in, his nose is in and he's just watching me. And she says, it's creepy, but I don't know how to stop it. And like you, you know, she kind of did the baby gate thing. So I, one of my suggestions to her, and I don't know if you've ever tried this, but uh, one of my suggested suggestions to her was, okay, well, why don't you give him something super good in your absence and only when you're absent? And I was like, start where he can still see you, you know, give him like a peanut butter filled Kong and freeze it. Cause it just takes longer. And then just do quick little bits of time. And cause you know that she's okay with you being in the same room, but then you just start moving the Kong further and further away from you. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually start putting, you know, some sort of divider between you, be it a baby gate or a door for your sanity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Just something to try. I mean, it's non-invasive if it doesn't work. I mean, she's kind of established a standard with you anyway, so you're used to it, but it's something worth a try. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. And she is, she's super attached to me in particular. Like she likes everybody in the house, but I can, it's, it's clear to everybody who the, uh, who the favorite is. So. Yeah. You're like, I'm mom. I win. I'm winning. Mm-hmm. I get the snuggles. I get the kisses. I get it all. So when you rescued her, what were some of the things that you had to adjust to in her personality or what were some things that you struggled with aside from, you know, she obviously had some anxiety, but besides that. She's a, she's a really good dog. I have to say she, um, she doesn't really chew up much. Like we had an, there was a Ken doll incident, my daughter's and there was a Ken doll that was, you know, but like we leave the doors open. We don't lock things away from her. Um, And, and one day she, she, it was tragic for Ken. I mean, he was, he was mangled. (laughs) It was a scene, but um, other than that, you know, I've had, she's, she's chewed on a slipper too, but she's really good. So I don't, I don't have many issues with her, but when you put the call out there looking for people, I am interested in this and I've heard it's a husky thing. So um, I cannot leave the door open because she will take off and run like a crazy person. Yeah. Darts like the rent is due tonight and she has to go steal something. Exactly. exactly. And she doesn't, you know, like I've, you know, unfortunately when I was younger, we lived on a busy road and I, I have had dogs hit by cars before. Um, and so I really, you know, I, my sister's dog is a, is a chocolate lab and she could, you know, the front door could be open. He could just be like, I mean, he's just there hanging out. Yeah, he's, he's like easy. He's got a homing device installed. Hmm. So I don't know if there's anything. I mean, we don't have a fence in front of our house. We have like a, a half acre and, um, you know, we're on a, it's not a busy road or anything, but we live closer to a busy road. So I just, 
It terrifies me that she's going to run away. Okay, so I have a really safe solution to start practicing. Okay, because really you've got a a couple of things going on. First of all, you've got the impulse control issue of her exiting without your Mm say-so. And then you've got the freedom factor, which for Siberian Huskies and labs alike is substantial. I mean, once they're, they're out and they're in it to win it. I mean, there's nothing that compares to running away from you. Mm -hmm. So um, what I would typically recommend is get either a super long leash. I don't use retractables, um, but if that's all you had, you could just lock it in a long position. Mm -hmm. And at first you just, I'm assuming she knows sit. Is that assumption correct? She does, yes. Okay, yeah. (laughs) So you'll start with her at a sit And you'll tell her to wait. And as you're opening the door, you've already got the leash, okay? The longer, the better. Um, And if she starts shifting and moving towards it, you go, ah, ah, and close the door. So that Mm -hmm. she starts learning, and I would would keep repeating that. And she's going to start learning that the only way that door opens all the way is if her butt's on the ground. Mm -hmm. And your leash is really your safety net because... Once the door is open and you take two steps away from it, guess what she's going to do? She's going to try and run off. But now that you've got a leash, you can kind of bring her back. You can put her in a sit. You can ask her to wait. And you have to practice this process a lot. Um, Even using like a heavy-duty value treat, be it chicken or cheese or something that she normally doesn't get, Mm -hmm. um, to really reinforce that it's better to listen to you because she's already figured out that running her own agenda has worked out for her in the past. Mm -hmm. So really working on the impulse control with the door being open and then you can work and, and some clients have to start, you know, 15 feet away from the door to give, you know, and then gradually move closer just to get the point across that you're not going to get up. Um, and then I always tell clients, you know, once you see them kind of sitting still, that's when you start turning your back to them, but still holding that leash because they know that when you're not paying attention, it's a free for all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes, especially with, <laughs> with dogs that like to dart. I mean, it's going to take a good month of practicing it. Um, and I, I do it at every door, any exit. Um, you can even practice it within the house, but you're not going to have the same drive behind it that she has by actually leaving. Mm-hmm. But it's it, you know you can do it at any door, um, and basically you know we're asking her to respond every time the door is open by sitting and waiting, and then without getting a release cue like okay you can go through, she she's going to start learning through it. You know, she's going to start going, okay, well, if the door is open, that doesn't mean that I can just leave. Um, and then she'll have gotten a series of good feedback from you, hopefully some treats. And then I occasionally, when they are doing what I ask, then I'll say, okay, and I'll walk outside and we'll just walk back and forth on the street and then go back in so that they get the ultimate relief of leaving, but only after they've done what I said. Okay. That makes sense. I'll try that. Yeah. I mean, it's worth a try. Um, I, <laughs> I had one client also a Siberian Husky and he could get out of anything. He scaled an eight foot fence. Oh, he, he dug under, um, they had, they installed concrete to solidify the fence below because he dug under it. And then one time, and, and he, when he was gone, I mean, it was all over because he would go four or five miles before sometimes they'd even know he escaped. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing that I always recommend is teaching a strong comp when called because should the worst happen, you need to make sure you have a return instinct on them. And for come when called, I give them whatever I know they value most in life. Um, and I practice that a lot and I do it in every environment on leash. Um, and the longer your line is, the safer it is because it gives them the sense of freedom without, without the ability to just take off on you. And when I say to a dog, you know, say, Lily, come, then I reel them in like a fish. But as they're moving towards me, I'll go, oh, what a good girl. Even if she's, she's being resistant and you can usually tell, but I bring her all the way to me. Then I'll ask her to sit, I'll rub her down. And I repeat that process over and over until they start assuming that even when a leash isn't attached, that they have to come because you've taken away the option. Mm-hmm. Now that takes a little bit longer. That takes about two months of working on it, but just a couple times a day. I mean, when you remove the option, they stop thinking their way out of things. They start they're, they're problem solvers naturally, but if they realize that they're going you're gonna get their you're gonna get them either way, they kind of concede to the battle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So this way, should the worst happen, you've got that come when called. I always add a ha- hand signal too. So like if they're quite a distance away from me, but they still have me with an eye shot, you know, I'll raise my hand up or I'll put a fist in the air and, you know, say their name to get their attention and say, come. So this way you've got a visual mark because dogs are typically way more visual than they are auditory. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So give that a shot. I mean, worst case scenario, you don't make a lot of progress, but, uh, for clients who have dogs that are door darters, first you have to work on the impulse control and then you have to work on a strong return and those elements together protect you on both sides. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I think I can, I can definitely try that. Is she a chaser? Yeah. So like the, the other day I took her out on the porch. I have like a front porch that faces the the road and I didn't have a leash on her and I like we just sat in the sun and I made sure she was close enough to me to where if she did try to dart I could reach out and get her by the collar yeah but and so we sat out there I don't know maybe 10 minutes and I was really impressed with how calm she was but if she had seen a squirrel or a cat or another dog she would have just boom yeah she would have been all over. all bets were off yeah so that goes back to the impulse control issue um whenever there's any sort of impulsiveness. You know how we were talking about having her sit and then teaching her that if she gets up, the door closes, which is the opposite of what she wants. Mm-hmm. So before feeding, I don't know if you leave food out all day or, or how you feed her, but I would have her. Like, oh, a, go ahead. They, like I, like I get the food out and she pretty much eats it right away. Yeah. So I would add kind of a system to eating. So you'll ask her to sit, you know, you can have the food already ready because she already knows it's coming and then ask her to sit. And it same thing, like with the door, as you're putting the bowl down, if she gets up, you'll go, uh-uh, pull the bowl up and have her sit again and just kind of do this back and forth until she finally goes, okay, I guess I'm going to have to sit and wait for this food. And then you can gesture to the food and say, okay, because first of all, food is a huge motivator for dogs. And, you know, I've never seen a lab turn their nose up to food ever. So, I mean, I say that I have once before, but there's always the one in a million. Um, but what this teaches her is the same skill set that she needs later. You know, if you want a dog to truly have impulse control, you have to teach them a shut off button, which is not natural. You know, they're just kind of like, all right, I see it. It's mine. You know, 
So especially if you do during mealtimes, ask her to sit, ask her to wait, and then indicate, okay, because she's listened to you, indicate towards the bowl that she can have it. Now you're installing that impulse control she's lacking at the door or when she sees something that she's, she wants to chase. So that will transfer through short yeah. process, like five seconds. That makes sense. I can, I can do that. I can do those things. Every dog is a little different. So if you're still having issues, just let me know and I can give you other suggestions, but that's a really good starting point. Cool. Would that help with, you know, like when people ring the doorbell and they first enter the door, she gets like pretty jumpy Would that. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> door behavior, it's <laughs> a lot the same as, you know, not giving her access through the door until she's held the sit in the wait. And I always say, you know, pick a, a spot about at least five feet away from the door. 10 feet is ideal. And I practice this with family members first to give her, you know, an opportunity to fail without having a guest that's like, okay, I really need to come in now. It's raining outside. Um, so what you can do is put somebody that she knows, somebody that she really likes that either lives in the home or in your neighborhood and have them ring the doorbell as if you've done this a million times and then make sure you have her on a leash. So you just have that other element of control. You don't want need it forever, but in the beginning while you're teaching the process, it, it's helpful. So you'll go and pick a, a spot at least five feet back from the door, ask her to sit, ask her to wait. And then you start heading towards the door. What is she going to do? She's going to get up. So you're going to put her back and always verbally correct. You'll go, uh, uh-uh, and then point right back to where she came from. Okay. So that you're really telling her, no, 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 I put you here. This is where you hang out. Um, and then go back to answering the door. If she gets up as you're cracking the door, same thing. You just put her back so that it's a really predictable system for her. And then I always tell guests that when they're coming in to ignore the dog, which is completely counterintuitive to any guest because they're like, cute dog, I want to meet them. Well, that really amplifies the excitement, which breaks down on your process. So while you're, you know, say, say you get as far as, okay, you've opened the door, you've opened the door and then you say hi, which is actually a trigger to a dog because they're like, well, <laughs> they're coming now. So when you're practicing this with someone, you know, you can go, ah, ah, close the door again on somebody who's, you know, obviously not in a hurry to get in the house because they live there right. and put her back in her spot and teach that process long before you ever work with a stranger or a guest work with people she knows because she's going to have a lot of those same motivators, but you have a lot more control. And then when clients started getting traction in that arena, I used to suggest that they put up a little sign that says dog in training, ring the door once we know you're here. And uh, so this way they didn't feel, you know, under the gun to respond immediately. And they could really work on the training because it gets to a point where she's like, okay, I, I know this with you guys and you're going to have to try it with a stranger. Hmm. That's interesting. So does that mean when I walk in the door, I like make a huge fuss and I'm like, my baby, does that mean I have to stop doing that? Cause she gets pretty excited. Like, well, only, only if someone's put her in a sit and wait before, like if you're just letting yourself in and there's nobody putting her in a sit and wait, that's fine. It's when you're answering the door or a family member is answering the door that she needs to have that process intact. When you walk through the door, I'm the same way. Like I, I'm like, hi guys, I missed you. I don't make a huge to do about it, but 
they know that I've missed them. Um, but that's different from me trying to answer the door for say a stranger. And then the dog's like scrambling around my legs, trying to push through and see whoever's at the door first. So, um, to answer your question, no, I don't, I don't think that's a problem, but when you're working on the guest or someone on the other side of the door process, that's where it's going to be relevant. And that's where you want them to ignore the dog. And I, I usually tell clients, you know, go ahead and get your guests settled and then let them greet the dog because you've already kept some stability throughout the process. And then they can visit with her and make her feel like, Oh, she did such a good job. But as they're entering the door where you're trying to build a new history, that's where they need to ignore. Okay. Okay. I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, none of this is going to happen overnight because she's gotten away with it for how old is she right now? Um, gosh, <laughs> like four, <laughs> I want to say four. We've had her for three years. Is that okay. Right? So yeah, she's still young. I mean, I've worked with super old dogs before, so don't let that discourage you just because you've done it a different way all this time. Doesn't mean you can't install something new. It just takes a little bit longer to reverse mm-hmm. and you have to be really consistent. So like, kids love being involved in stuff like this, you know, asking them to tell her to sit and wait and then opening and closing the door, that could be a game for them. So I always say, you know, involve as many people within the home as you can. So this way she's got a clear message from everybody. Cool. That makes sense. Cool. I love it. Can I ask you one more question? Yes. Cool. Since I have you on, on the line here. Um, so I used to be able to trim her nails pretty fine. I'm okay about, you know, like I get it. Her nails are mostly white so I can see the, the The quick. Yeah. And so I've only nipped her once. It was fine. Not super traumatic. Everybody's good. And then the last time I took her to the vet and they're super nice and everything like that, but they went to trim her nails and it was like, a thing like she ended up peeing and pooping on herself to be like it, oh no it was awful that like they had like two texts that were like I mean it, I've never seen her like that and I I feel like I'm never going to be able to trim her nails again so I don't know how to and they're like getting pretty long okay so let me ask you when you say you used to trim her nails no issue was that you doing it or was that her going somewhere else to do it no, it was me. Like, okay. like she'd be sitting on the couch. And sometimes if the kids are around, I'd be like, can you pet Lily and just like make sure she's cool. And she wasn't like super happy about it, but she, but she was tolerant. Yeah. I didn't have to like hold her down or, and now like I thought since the last time it happened, I was like, and I just brought the clippers out and she was like, nope, not having it. <laughs> she was like, oh, thanks mom. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is more of a, this is kind of like an anxiety thing, really. Um, she's got in her mind, she's going back to that state of trauma. So first of all, I would make it a very slow process because you already know you're doing something that's unfavorable. Um, so I'd start really small. So do you ever like pet her paws or mess with her paws when you're not clipping her nails? All the time. <laughs> okay, good. So let's add another element to that. So like next time you're on the couch with her and you're messing with her paws, have the nail clippers handy mm-hmm. and just graze them over her feet. Do not clip. Don't have any sort of agenda. Just get her used to seeing them and knowing that they're there and then praise her and make it brief, you know, like 10, 15 seconds, not super long. Mm-hmm. And then as she's kind of just being her normal self relaxed, um, you're going to reward that. And then you're going to stop. If she tries to like pull her feet away, just with the presence of the clippers, 
I would keep doing what I'm doing until she kind of releases and relaxes a little bit. And then I'd stop because that's a try. Okay. And then kind of building on that, once you've done that, and I would focus on just that easy process for like a week, just that. Um, and once she's kind of, okay, well, they're, they're not really clipping me. It's fine. Then I'd start just with your fingers while the clippers are out, make that feeling of pressure that you normally would apply right before you're clipping them or while you're clipping them mm-hmm. without the clippers. Like you're, you have them in the other hand, but you're not using them, you know? So this way you've got the presence factor and you've got the pressure factor, but they haven't been combined yet. Okay. And then do that for a week. And as long as she's not showing any opposition a week later, then you can build to the last part, which is the sound and actually touching the clippers and the nails together. So I, the very first time would do the teeniest bit and I'd only do one nail and I would do just little teeny bits because she, if she takes off, you're going to have to stop the process, bring her back and go back a step. So don't really be in a rush, but if she doesn't give you what you're asking for, then go back to the last thing that she was successful with. So like if you can't clip the nail, but she was fine with the pressure, go back there and do that a little longer. Um, and then just, you can add to, you can get to the point where you're doing a whole set of nails at once, but now that she's got this (laughs) fear complex going on, it's almost like you have, you don't want to put a bandaid on it. You really want to heal the wound, even though it's just in her head, really. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm going to be honest, you know, like I, I used to tell clients a lot, like you bring your dog to a vet and while you know what's going on, they're not as much of a fan of the whole process. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think taking her out of that environment and doing it at home and doing it in small steps will serve you far better than, you know, trying to get a groomer to like hold her down and muzzle her and like hope and pray you get some nails done. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So do it in stages and don't be in a rush. That's, that's the key and brief. Um, eventually you'll get to the point where you're clipping off the edges of the nails and she's like, whatever, nothing bad's going to happen, but you've taken away all of the triggers and neutralized all of the triggers that really made it difficult. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So give that a shot and let me know how that works out for you. And then I wanted to tell our listeners about your podcast and kind of what you guys talk about. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I started my podcast when after my mom passed away. It's called Pearls from My Mom. And what I, I do is, that. I, yeah, it's really, it's been so nice for me and for the guests I've had on and then for the listeners too. But I interview people whose moms have passed away. And the main, the meat of the show is, you know, the the pearl of wisdom that your mom gave you that you you know, want to share with the world, but we talk about, we go over her story. Sometimes people talk about, um, you know, how, like all the time that she, from the time she was born till the time that she passed away. And, and we talk about advice for people that are going through grief and it sounds heavy. It's a heavy, but that's really a beautiful concept. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like when I, when I, as soon as I finish the interview with people, we, we, we hit stop record and then it's just like, Oh, that was, you know, it just, it feels nice. And when I listen yeah. to the episodes, um, which sounds kind of narcissistic, but you know, I, I, <laughs> I don't like the sound of my own voice, but I do listen back to the episodes because it, it takes me back to that time when, when the guests and I connected. So it's, it's, I love it. I'm having such a good time doing it. It's called Pearls from My Mom. So if anybody wants to check about it, check it out, they can find it on. 
Yes. And I'm actually going to post a link in the show notes so anybody can check it out there and follow you that way. And then you have a blog too, don't you? I do. Yeah. It's pearlsformymom.com. I'm a sporadic writer at best. Okay. How much I get it out. My, my podcast is weekly and it always, always comes out weekly, but um, I'm going to write more. And my, my love for dogs was started by my mom. I grew up with dogs. And so um, it's just dogs and moms and everything. It's all connected for me. It all makes me feel happy. Well, and I think that you're doing the type of podcast that leaves a legacy, not only for her, but for people that have great memories with their mom, but they, they don't really have an outlet to talk about who they were or what they contributed to their, their lives. And so they have it all internalized. So I think that's a really awesome thing that you're doing. Thank you. I think it's, I think what you're doing is awesome too. I love to you know, I just, <laughs> I was starting away so many clients that I was like, all right, I, I know what advice to be giving them. Why am I turning them away? Like these, these people still need help. And then there's the ultimate question of who do you refer them to? And it's like, well, I don't really know. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And I really hope the, that our listeners, you know, connect with you too. And maybe we can do this again. For sure. Yeah. I'll tell you how my training goes. Yeah. Yeah. We need like a a show update. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for having me. This was really, really fun. Yeah. This is our first guest interview. So like you're at the top. It's perfect. Okay, everybody. So thank you again to Jessie. And don't forget to check out her podcast, Pearls from My Mom, so that you can listen in on her show. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. This has been Victoria, your dog guru, and I'll see you on the other side.